Playfield and Associates is based in Sydney on the traditional lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to Gadigal elders and to traditional custodians of country throughout Australia. From Clarefield and Associates, I'm Claire, and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now, What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector. Episode 97, and this week my guest is someone I am enormously privileged to be interviewing, but at the same time he's someone from outside the sector and who I desperately wish there had not been a reason for me to invite him to join me on the podcast. I'm not meaning to be cryptic with those opening remarks, it's just a reflection of how extraordinary the times are that we are living in right now. My guest on this episode of the podcast is His Excellency, the Ukrainian Ambassador to Australia, Vassil Miroshnichenko. Ambassador Miroshnichenko joined me at the suggestion of David Reardon, who all of you working in the international education and New South Wales TAFE sectors will know well. David is now the CEO of the Public Education Foundation, but has also been a guest on an earlier episode of the podcast, and he was also one of the first people in the tertiary education sector to engage with Ambassador Miroshnichenko to see how Australia could help Ukraine. Those discussions led to the project that NIAS took forward, providing support to Ukrainian English language teachers to help them in expanding the delivery of English language teaching to Ukrainian students. If you haven't listened to my interview from earlier in the year with Dr. Patrick Pheasant from NIAS, then you'll learn more about that program um, if you want to listen back to that interview. In this interview, you'll get a greater sense of who the ambassador is, why he's so passionate about the power of education and about his hopes and efforts to see more Ukrainian students coming to Australia to study and how we can do more to support the Ukrainian students who sought safety here as refugees. And if you missed my recent interview with RMIT student Anastasia Horislavitz and Jody Bellier from the non-profit MEGT Foundation, they share a good example of the kind of help that the ambassador is suggesting we should provide. And it would be great to see others emulate or help expand as well as more scholarships for these refugees. I know some of you as listeners have very senior roles in the sector, including, I'm very privileged to have as my listeners, uh, some CEOs of TAFEs and private providers, even university vice-chancellors and deputy vice-chancellors. In this interview, you'll hear the ambassador describe a deeply moving exhibition started by Ukrainian students in Toronto, which has since been hosted at the ANU and more recently at the University of Sydney. It would be great to see other institutions follow their lead and also look to host the exhibition, helping your students, staff and wider community engage with what's been lost as a result of Russia's invasion. Finally, I've included the links to some charities working on the ground in Ukraine in the show notes for this episode if you're able to make a donation. And now, Ambassador Miroshnichenko. Well, 
I have interviewed a lot of very impressive people on the podcast, but today is the first time I have had the pleasure of interviewing an ambassador and a very, very important ambassador. It is my great pleasure to introduce Ambassador Vasil Miroshnichenko, who is obviously Ukrainian's ambassador to Australia, and to welcome you to the podcast, Ambassador. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks a lot, Claire. I'm very happy to be here with you. Thank you. I start my podcast interviews by asking my guests to share a little bit about themselves. And I wonder if you could let listeners know a bit about your background and obviously your current role. Um, I have been an ambassador in, in Australia for the past 17 months. I came here at the end of March of last year, and I'm a, a non-career diplomat which means I was not part of the foreign service throughout my life before I was appointed as ambassador. I was doing something else. And then I was appointed by President Zelensky to come and work here as an ambassador. So previously, I was in professional services industry, but I was also heavily involved in Ukrainian civil society. And uh, throughout my, my life, I've helped set up three uh, non-governmental organizations, going back to the times when I was a student, but also then later on when the Russians invaded Ukraine in 2014, when we set up Ukraine Crisis Media Center along with other communications professionals, and then also been heavily involved in different alumni groups of different universities, primarily Western universities in Ukraine. But primarily for 20 years, I was I was in the private sector and and provided public affairs and corporate communication services to primarily international companies in Ukraine. But I was heavily involved in, in these foreign affairs circles uh, with my education, with my background, but also helping uh, Ukraine on public diplomacy, cultural diplomacy, investment pr promotion. And, 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 and I've done lots of work in that sphere. And this is what now I currently do as an ambassador. So my, my kind of current role, what I have to do and the experience I've had during the past 20 years somehow overlap though I kind of took it a slightly different track. Of course. And when I look at what you're currently doing, just in the last month or so, you've been back to Ukraine for recognition for your services. I think there was a, a ceremony. You've been all across Australia. And I should have also mentioned that you are also Ukraine's ambassador to New Zealand. I think you've been there. And just the sheer scale and scope of what you do and when you seem to do it. I think you're a person who seems to have no sleep. There's just a, a myriad of activities that you're so actively involved in in this role. It's been very intensive, true. And I, I was able to go to Ukraine six times since I arrived here. So every three months I'm, I'm on, on the road traveling back home. Every time there was a different reason. Uh, one of the trips, I was there with Prime Minister Anthony Albanese. That was in July of last year. More recently, I attended an annual ambassador's meeting that President of Ukraine has convened. And there was also kind of a meeting with, with the prime minister as well as all the top ministers and, uh, and, 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 and the top brass of the military. And, and then I was back. But indeed, you're right, Claire. I mean, I cover New Zealand and, and, and since the last time we kind of looked at my, now look at my diary, when is the easiest time to do the, uh, this podcast? I've looked that I got six weeks on the road, going to Auckland, Brisbane twice. I've been to Adelaide. I've been to Perth. 
Sydney twice as well. So it's been kind of all around the world, but also a lot around Australia. But I, luckily, I enjoy travel. Sometimes it, it feels like too much, but I don't envy those people who don't like traveling and they have to be in this in similar roles. At least in my case, I can I try to stay focused and try to still do lots of work while I'm moving around doing meetings and public events. Uh, you make a very good point. The, the fact that enjoy being out and doing what you do uh, must make it somewhat easier. You talked about the timing of when you took on this role, and that was following Russia's invasion of your country. And now doubt everyone who is listening to the podcast has read about and watched news footage of the invasion and its impact. I wonder what would you want people to understand? That's a very uh, broad question. And and I, generally, I want to understand, you know, for the people to understand that, that the war is real. Uh, it's actually happening in Ukraine, and it can happen anywhere, including in Australia. This is very difficult to believe into, but 10 years ago, if somebody asked me, would you imagine Russia ever invading Ukraine, I would say it's impossible. But it did happen. And I think we live now in a different world. I think the threats and challenges which are out there, they're not only academic. This is not something which is uh, academics write about or, or experts talk about. I think it's very tangible. It's very real. And the world has changed. And it's really is as we already see the impact of the Russian invasion of Ukraine here in the Indo-Pacific, but definitely the geopolitics of the region will be defined by the outcome of, of this war. And a lot will depend of how that all ends. And nobody knows how it's going to end. So I think that's a very important takeaway uh, from this, uh, from the largest war that the Europe has seen since the Second World War, for sure. But it's the level of the challenges that Ukrainian government, Ukrainian people have to go through is difficult to imagine. And more so, it's difficult to actually realize that something of that scale and magnitude could be happening in the 21st century. And and happening just day after day after day and how a population uh, continues its fight, it just it strikes me as, Yes, as a, as a complete outsider, just something incredibly difficult to, to try and wrap your mind around. If we turn our attention back to Australia and, you know, my reason for getting uh, you on the podcast was to see if we can discuss some of what Australian education institutions might be doing. But before that, you recently attended an exhibition that I was reading about the University of Sydney, which it sounded incredible, honouring Ukrainian students who had lost their lives during the war and therefore, of course, would not finish their degrees. And I think whether you're an educator working in the sector, a student listening to the podcast or even as a parent, how distressing and, and deeply sad that that exhibition must have been, but also how important it was for those young people who we have lost and all that they can create and and could have given to the future. So I don't know if you wanted to share any reflections on that exhibition or to talk more broadly about what Australian education institutions m might be able to do in, 
in practical terms, we've got Ukrainian refugees here in Australia. And also I know that NIAS has been offering English language support to English language teachers in Ukraine. Talk us through from an education perspective, what should education institutions in Australia be be doing? And thanks, Claire. Let's take it one by one. First, I would like to re- reflect on the, on the exhibition uh, about the students who will never graduate. And that exhibition was launched by the Ukrainian students in, in Canada, in Toronto. And I think by now it's been exhibited 50 different cities and at more than, I think, 70 different universities who have hosted an exhibition. And uh, it's a very heartbreaking story uh, of, and it's online in unissued diploma. Once you Google it, you'll be able to find it. We'll we'll Uh, add a link into the podcast notes so people can find it. And it's a story, different stories. So there is a story about uh, a Ukrainian student who volunteered, joined the armed forces and, and got killed. There is a story of a student who was escaping Russians uh, near Kiev, and he just killed, got killed by them, escaping from them, right? Because he was trying to evacuate, and a lot of the those refugees would be just executed. Russians did it because they could do it. There's also a story about a student who was sitting in her house with her whole family, and 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 the missile came and killed the entire family somewhere in eastern Ukraine. And this is the stories about their personalities, their lives. And once you kind of realize um, the cost of this war, and this is, of course, this is one of the stories, but it's it's really uh, very moving. And uh, I, the reason, the way how, how I kind of ended up supporting this exhibition that it was originally brought into Australia by my intern. Her name is Yana Mohunchuk. She came. She was on exchange program in, in in Toronto for half a year before she graduated from a university in Ukraine. And this is where student association, Ukrainian student association in Toronto, come up with this project. And then they took it global, and it was exhibited at the Australian National University back in March. Mm-hmm. And then we were also able to exhibit it more recently in July at the University of Sydney. I know that she's very much interested in taking it to Melbourne as well and so there. But I think this is a very good reminder to, 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 to the Australian people to kind of see what we have to live with and, 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 uh, really for, for universities being able to, to showcase the exhibition, to tell the story of those young Ukrainians who lost their lives because of, of this Russian invasion. It's, it's really, uh, well, that that was kind of the, the purpose of this whole um, project, and and also to commemorate those people, to have them remembered, and and that's also one of the goals is to memorialize those people. Otherwise, they would be just lost out there with a long list of other people who got killed. Now, coming back to your second question on 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 the on the on the Australian education system, I was very happy to hear that Nias was able to uh, do a project and help Ukrainian teachers of English to improve their um, to improve their approaches to teaching English as a foreign language. And there was some training done. And there's also some, I understand, there's some materials being prepared. I was very happy to hear about that because I think at the end of the day, the the need for, for English and the understanding and the knowledge of English will be huge in Ukraine, especially when 
when we managed to drive Russians out, when the war is over and we have to rebuild the country, there will be a lot of international companies and uh, that will come to invest in Ukraine to help Ukraine rebuild. So those uh, young people in Ukraine who will learn English and they will have more opportunities than those who don't speak the language to be able to join those international companies or even international projects out there. Also, I'm very, I'm a big passionate believer in the, in the power of education and, and also believe in public diplomacy. And um, I have myself personally was on a number of exchange programs when I was younger and that were sponsored by, by different governments. So I was able to spend my high school in the US on a one year exchange program. And then later on, I did an internship in the Canadian parliament. I've obtained my master's degree from London on a British government tuning scholarship. I've done some studies in Sweden, which was part of the executive education on sustainability. And I see the benefit of, of this public diplomacy and the impact that that experience have had on me professionally. And also with respect to my connection to those countries where I spent that time studying or improving my, uh, you know, either on the early stage or later on in career kind of programs. And I'm very much interested in bringing more Australian students or Ukrainian students to Australia who will be able to benefit from the educational system in, in, in Australia, will be able to spend, uh, get their bachelor's degrees, get their master's degrees, those who may be interested in pursuing PhDs. Because at the end of the day, the more Ukrainians will benefit from, from getting a degree from Australian university, the better equipped they will be for, for the life after war, for, for, for helping Ukraine rebuild. And, and I think they will be very well positioned to be those citizen diplomats who will help Ukraine and Australia advance their, their relationship. And, and at the end of the day, it all comes down to the people to people contacts. And I think that will be a very important element in, in promoting those relations. And that will be the, the, the cohort of Ukrainians educated in, in Australia who will come back to Ukraine to help rebuild the country. And I think this is something that I've been advocating for. And it's still, you know, Australia is so far away. We're so far apart. And of course, probably US, Canada, Britain, this is what captures the imagination. But, but I try to do some promotion for Australia in, in Ukraine. And I often talk to young people and I, I try to get them interested in, 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 in coming here, applying to universities here. But of course, the problem is all about funding and how can we fund it? One of the approaches would be, of course, including Ukraine into the Australian award scholarship. And I made a formal request to the DFAT, Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Currently, Ukraine was included in the, Australian Award Fellowship, which is a short-term training for Ukrainian professionals to come uh, mm. for a short period of time to spend in Australia. But it would be really great uh, if Ukraine could be included into the Australian Award Scholarship, because that would allow those students to come and study. But also what universities could do, universities could definitely offer, at least at this stage, a kind of an arrangement where those for instance, those Ukrainians who came here as refugees, there are not many actually, but we, we are now thinking I mean, the, the number we have is about 10,000 Ukrainians. Uh, but those who are here and they get into university and they came here as displaced person, I think for starters, universities could offer them domestic tuition and maybe they could offer them some scholarships uh, yeah. where they could study and, and, and be able to get a degree under, under a special scholarship, which could be offered by some universities or some private benefactors who'd be willing to support universities and uh, this, and this, and this goal. Oh, you. 
full of, it's no wonder you're the ambassador, full of some incredibly good suggestions. The idea of expanding access to the Australian Awards Scholarships, I think, is a no-brainer, and I do hope that DFAT takes that on board. And your point, yes, about how we could provide more financial support to Ukrainian refugees wanting to study here. Uh, We had a refugee on the podcast recently who's being supported by a non-profit organisation, but there would be plenty of opportunities for other philanthropic or or other corporate organisations to provide some additional financial scholarships. And I love the idea of more citizen diplomats and how Australia can help make a contribution to to Ukrainian rebuilding and and greater engagement uh, with the English language speaking world post uh, this terrible conflict. Ambassador, thank you so much for your time. You've given listeners an incredible amount to think about. And I do hope that we see the the exhibition started by those Ukrainian students in Canada being picked up, as you say, by universities in Melbourne and and perhaps further afield to let people really understand the dimension, what's been lost and and the importance of Australia working uh, with Ukraine to to help make a difference. Um, Thank you again for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks a lot, Claire. It was a great pleasure to be here with you on the podcast.